Whoa, 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 whoa. Turn it back. Turn it back. What's that? Oh, nice. Turn it up. Oh, yeah. You have arrived, good people. Welcome to the Outlet Radio Show. Coming to you all the way from Brooklyn, New York. Here is your host, our favorite BK child with that million dollar smile, Azania Shange. Mm, here she comes, y'all. Here she comes. Everybody, so great to have you back with us here on the Outlet Radio Show. I am your host, Azania Shange. So here we are, and as always, I am joined by the genius holding me down on sound. Give it up for Mr. V. Jeffrey Smith. Uh, yeah. Jane, thank you, sir. And my guest this week is a guitar master, as well as producer, songwriter, musical director, and, and one of my favorite guitar players and ever. singers. He is. I had the esteemed pleasure of seeing him perform alongside V. Jeffrey Smith, um, our very own V. Jeffrey Smith, for a Corey Glover show at a Dinker House um, just a few weeks ago. And I was blown the blank away. Fill in the blank, y'all. Audience, give it up for the unrealness that is Mr. Mike Zero. Thank you so much for being here. What's up? Thanks for having me. Man, you are great freaking ridiculous oh. i feel like i can say that to you right now say it to your face wow <laughs> you were killing it um if if there are people from a dinker house who were there that night listening you guys all know what i saw for myself you were absolutely insane on that guitar oh well thanks you know with with, with two of my favorite musicians next to me it's really really easy with, with v jeff and and cory glover it's like uh, you yeah. cannot be inspired, you know. I mean, Je- yeah. Jeff is one of my favorite singers of all time. He knows that. <laughs> nice to go see the family stand, and I know he used to sing not as much as everybody else, but his moments were my <laughs> moments. Yeah. When yeah. I heard Jeff come in, I was like, man. See, that was my that's, trick. If I could sing, that was that's my how trick. I, want to sound like. I used to just come in at the right time. Yeah, yeah. but that that was a that was a hell of a trick. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was. I don't I, believe him with that. I mean, he's he's. <laughs> I've heard him sing many times, and, and he's he's incredible. So to be inspired by these two is like, if you're not, you, you have to go home. Well, yeah, it, you, it, it looked like it. I mean, on the stage watching you guys, you could tell that you guys have um, great chemistry. Yeah, well, that goes a long way back. Long way back. Oh my God. Long way back. Great chemistry, yeah. and, it, and it was comedy to watch because the the energy between you and Corey, the sense of humor, it was comical. Did you see Silver? I said I can't. Did you see? I did see. I'm fucking in it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it kind of gets borderline. We have to watch it because sometimes it turns into a comedy show. We have to go, okay, we're going to play some music. <laughs> I mean, because we could do this. We could joke around. I mean, because we lived on the road together. Like, so, you know, so we were like every, every night for about, I mean, we've seen each other every day for about a good three years, you know, like when we were trying to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I decided after seeing you perform because it seemed like everybody knew who you who you were except for me. Um, or, Shame on you. Or knew, <laughs> knew who you was. Or who, whatever. I, who I was. Who you was. Who I'll be at. Where you exactly? <laughs> who you is. Who I is. Um, except for me. So then I decided to then go look you up, and man, Google told me some things oh. about you. Here we go. You recorded with Mariah Carey, Luther Vandross, Notorious B.I.G., Farrell Monch, African Bombada, Alicia Keys, Alejandro Sons, mm-hmm. uh, Janet Jackson. You've performed with Stevie Wonder, Sting, Shakira, Mary J. Blige, Beyonce, Missy Elliott, as well as Alicia Keys. And the list goes on. I mean, you've also worked with Shaka Khan. Um, I mean, David Sanborn. It, yeah. It's... Uh, a list that goes on and on and on. Wow. Well, Pretty impressive. Well, I mean, that's like um, a bless. That was a blessing to be able to work with, you know, all of these people. You know, each one of them was a, was a blessing in my life to to be <clears throat> to become um, versatile. But I grew up in I grew up in New York, and and if you're not versatile from growing up here as a musician, then you have a problem because yeah, you know you're from I, the Bronx. I'm from the BX. Yeah. And I I grew up at the time when radio was really integrated. Yeah. And you could hear Led Zeppelin with with with, with the Four Tops. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was it was great and I, I and that was AM radio. I listen wow. to AM radio playing pop music. You know, it was a different format. It was cheesy sound. The sound was always terrible. Right? <laughs> but yeah, but we didn't know it was. Terrible we didn't know it was terrible. That's all we had. Yeah, that's all we I mean, had. We I, didn't I, know. I had a record player with a speaker in it. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I'm listening to Black Sabbath like with 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 a record on a uh, on a Victrola, and that's what they used to call them, I guess, in those days. But. Yeah. Geeking out. Go ahead. Do what you do. But yeah, it was it's it's been like just going from, you know, being a journeyman, you know, those years and playing with a, a lot of people. It's, it's got got me used to um all different styles and loving all that. That's the blessing though, is to be able to love truly like you can play some music and okay, I'm gonna do this gig because it's a gig, but to love each genre like I do. Like I love hip hop. Yeah. You know, I love rock. Mm-hmm. I love soul music. I love R and B. You know, I love pop music when it's done right too. Mm-hmm. You know? Um I'm, that's currently that's what I'm doing now for the past twelve years is a Spanish pop artist, so Yeah. I'm the director for um Alejandro Sanz a Spanish artist, a very famous uh Spanish artist, world known artist that um I've been doing that for twelve years. That's like my main gig, and um, we're about to do my. It's my fifth tour, and fourth as the MD, as the musical director. So I've been the musical director for ten years. So, yeah, he's like one of the greatest people I've worked for and worked with. He's my friend, and you know, and uh, we've done probably about uh, five, seven hundred shows together. So, yeah, over the years. God. Yeah, a lot of shows, so 
and uh, from small places we play uh, is Radio City this is probably the smallest place we play and then to like soccer stadiums in, in, in South America and Mexico like 40 40 to 60,000 people oh my goodness yeah and his shows too it's not like festivals it's all him so he's pretty big and you know doing that is challenging to direct a band with that kind of you know with that kind of um, marquee value you know mm-hmm. can't get it wrong you know you gotta get it right all the time <laughs> it's high pressure it's high pressure that's not as far awesome. as a guitar player but as far as like you know as a director you have to so yeah that's what I'm doing so, that sounds incredible yeah, it's it's fun it's fun yeah and I know that you your start came from your dad your dad is a is a musician he was he was yeah. a musician he's he still alive but he's no he passed okay. he's still alive but, <laughs> but he's 81 so he can't sing anymore <laughs> oh, so he was a singer. He didn't yeah. play an instrument? No, he used to fake bass sometimes. <laughs> yeah. He couldn't play an instrument. He he actually had a record deal. He was signed to Jubilee Records. And he had a record out. Him and Della Reese were the only art, the big artists on, on Jubilee. Wow. And he had a record out. It was kind of a novelty song. And it, it started to really uh, climb and pass like a bunch of the guys at the time. It was 1959. And... Uh, and then he got caught up in the payola scandal with, 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 was it Murray Decay? Murray Decay? Yeah. Murray Decay? And, uh, like when they first realized that people were paying DJs to play records. Wow. Now it's, oh well, yeah. it's what it costs. <laughs> you want an explosion? <laughs> you want two explosions? It's what it costs. And I guess they say now it's above the board because everybody knows. So you were saying um, that your dad introduced you to the world and the life of being a musician. And I remember when we were in the green room at um, a Dinker house, you were talking about working as a wedding um, with a, a wedding band. And those were some of the funniest stories <laughs> you had. It's cracking, oh. cracking up laughing. So your oh. start was pretty eclectic. Like that's a pretty interesting way to kind of enter into this industry. Yeah, well, my dad used to take me to his gigs and like kind of force me on the gigs. Like <laughs> there was really no money for me. I guess I guess my dad was paying me out of his pocket. But he, you know, he would give me like seventy five bucks to come mm-hmm. and play at a wedding, and and I didn't really know the songs. And I, and I was like sixteen. I I just you know he wanted me to solo because he wanted me to show off because mm-hmm. he I had something back then that they saw. He wanted to show his son off, so I go in and play. And I, I guess the other guys hated me because they were probably thinking, "Was he getting some more money?" Or something. <laughs> well, I get what what is he paying him? But my dad was the leader, so yeah. So how did you go from it being something that your father was urging you to do? Mm-hmm. I think you might have even said at one point that he forced you into it. So how did it go from it being him being him being the driving force to you then now taking it over and and wanting to do this on your own? <clears throat> that's a really good question I, I i i often ask myself that because like i remember my dad like forcing me to play you know like he he this this had to be done and i always felt the pressure that it was like it, he almost got there mm-hmm. like my dad had nat king cole sent my dad out for a screen test and in, in 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 la because he used to come to this place my dad used to play at snooki's which was a which was a, 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 a all black club in the in the fifties. Wow! And he used to play the one a.m. radio set, and he used to be in there. Diane Carroll, all these people, so black superstars used to come in there and Nat King Cole heard my dad sing and had lunch with him. He had lunch with Nat King Cole. Wow! He said, "I'm gonna That's get you a, 
a, a screen test. So, and it didn't work out. So what I'm saying is like my dad like kind of was vicariously living through me in the early part. And then, mm. and I was kind of like a little bit, you know, okay, floundering. I don't know if I'm going to do this. I don't know how to do it, you know, whatever. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, I don't know what happened, but it just clicked. You know, like I just, one day I just said, I think I just was, you know, it's like one day I said, I don't know what I am. Like I'm working a job and I'm playing music at night and I'm, I'm struggling and I went to college to study music and then, you know, and then all of a sudden I'm on the road and I'm not making any income from anything else. And I said, I guess I'm a musician. Where did you go to school? I went to Bridgeport University um, and I went to um, Westchester Conservatory of Music. Hmm. So, but I went to two schools, but I didn't graduate um, because I, I, I got a gig with the Bambada and Soul Sonic. And that's where it and all. That's when of, I was like, I don't need to. I, I don't want to be a teacher. That was you know? a turning point for you. Yeah, because I, I started thinking about being a music teacher, and I was like, I don't know. I'm interested in that whole. The you you talked about your struggle. There was like this moment of like, I guess questioning, the path, the direction, maybe. Right. You mean of being a musician or not? Yeah. Oh yeah, I still do. Really? <laughs> I still do all yeah, when I when it, when you come into this is a wretched business. I mean, it's 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 a wonderful thing to be a musician and to make music, but the mm. business of music is one of the most wretched businesses in the world. Yeah. Because it just it's it's a, it, it, you turn art into a commodity. Mm-hmm. You know, your art that you worked hard at or you were born with in your soul and you and you, you take exactly. all this time to write a song or to, or exactly. to play some music and then yeah. you put it out there for someone to go, eh, mm. or someone to love it. Right. And then they love it, you latch on to that person. You know, or latch on to that feeling of them loving it. But but the person who the person who tells you you have to really get to a point in your life when the person tells you that they don't like what you're doing really doesn't matter. And that's when you succeed because when someone says, I don't like it, well what do you know? Mm. To to be able to walk into a record company and put in a disc and play it for them. And if they start answering phone calls to go up to the CD player and press the eject and then take it out and then go, what are you doing? I'm listening. He said, no, you're not. Mm. You went on the phone when I was playing my song. You know, or just go there and say, well, let me play something else. In the beginning, you say, let me, please love me. Please love me. And then after a while, you go, you don't get it. You never get it. Right. This is a hit. Yeah. Somebody else, there's this 500 right. million right. other people that are going to, somebody's going to love it. Yeah. That's the beauty of what's happening today. You know, I think with the, with the, with the, you know, social media and stuff that you don't have to worry about nobody. Yeah. You, you know, so I, I think the, but the, I think the getting, I know I got off the subject, but no, I, I kind of like the direction you went in because I was going to ask you how, yeah. how long did it take for you to get to that point where you were able to say hmm. it doesn't matter whether somebody likes it or not. Like, how long did you when when did you stop needing to hear other people? approve of the work that you were creating i i think i think when i was signed to epic i had a band that was signed to epic with with with, with a partner of mine um and the band was sophia's toy and we we got signed to epic records and and uh when when i got signed as a writer before we got a record deal that was big because we got signed by sony publishing and we didn't have a record deal 
and it was a big publishing deal and that was just to tell me that someone loves our songs whether we have a record deal or not that's big so for those of us who don't know anything about this mm -hmm. world that's out of order that's not yes. typically how it's right? done it's out of order yeah because absolutely because they they're giving you money on a certain amount of songs an advance on a certain amount of songs that that are supposed to be sold through a record and you don't have a record deal so they're giving you money just on the premise that someone i'm sure that's that's faith so what was so special and about this specific experience that made you shift in your thinking um about needing people to approve of your music but we were never happy just to be there, huh? That's the key. We, 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 when we got there, we were like, no, we, we, no, we're supposed to be here. Mm. And you're not just, just going to, oh, you know, like a lot of. I yeah, that's lot the of, attitude you're right? supposed to have. Like a lot of records, yeah. like a lot of bands yeah. get in there and they go, well, whatever you say. Yeah. Make, yeah. make the re make, make, make our record. That's all we want. Yeah. You know? And we just weren't like that. It might have been a problem in the end, but if it wasn't supposed to be, it wasn't supposed to be. Like we knew what we had. And we knew we had something special. Yeah. But we didn't, we didn't, I think that's the key for everyone who's doing this, like, you know, is to know, uh, to believe in what you're doing because yeah. you can't sit back and wait for people to tell yeah. you that you're good. And, yeah. In life. Right. You know, you can't, and, and in life, and, you know, it's like even in a relationship, you can't sit back and wait for someone to love you. Mm. You got to love yourself first. That's real. Otherwise, you're not going to, you're not going to find someone to love you. That's real. Because they know it. They know you don't love yourself. Mm -hmm. And then this weird thing comes out of them to attack that. Yeah. Because they get pissed. And then all of a sudden, everything is strange. It's the same thing with a band. It's the same thing with music. It's the same thing with artists. We we have the mistake of being want, of needing that acceptance from people, from mm -hmm. our peers. Mm -hmm. When really, all you should do is just you know love that you get to create. That God, Word. whatever it is you believe in, whatever spirituality you believe in, gave you this, you know, you were born with this gift. And if if you're supposed to do it, you're supposed to do it. And you shouldn't worry about what people think. Look at the Beatles. I'm a I'm a fan of their writing, right? And I'm a fan I'm a Beatles fan from from way back. But in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you go in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and there's a letter. From a record company. Rejection letter. It was worse than rejection. They smashed them. Like, you have no business doing this. You need to run back. You read this letter. You need to run back to your families, cut your hair, and get jobs. Because you can't do this. <laughs> I don't know what that guy did to himself. I hope he's okay. I hope he lived. I hope he's okay. Because it really, you know, it's just a bad decision. And you still felt that way, right? Because you wrote the letter. Oh, yeah. But I'm saying is like, they didn't care. They just went in. You know, they just went and did what they did, and people loved them for that. So, well, I think you know, I think it's really important. One of the reasons why I love the opportunity that I have with this show is I love to sit down and talk to people who I find interesting. And pretty much every person that I've spoken to has reached a certain level of success. But what I often find the most fascinating is their process, the 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 journey to that success. I feel that that's where we are unified we're unified in that experience of triumphs and setbacks and you know what i'm saying yes so i wondered where did you come up against insecurity where did you come up against a failure did you have a bad audition did you have like do you have these embarrassing stories that so many of us have and so many, so many of us either feel we can't recover from some so many of us 
have that moment where we're like, okay, that must be it. We, mm. You know, but, you know, there's this thing that separates the successful from those who are not. And it's like the successful keep going past those moments of, of disappointment and let down and and i'm just curious to know what those moments were and then what kept you going what what kept you going forward that's a great um thing to talk about because i think it's like you get to those moments and you know unfortunately in our business in the beginning when we start out these probably nothing worse than the actual taking place of an audition it's probably (laughs) one of the most sickening nauseating things you can do yeah. Like to go up as an actor, as a musician, as a, as as whatever you have to do to go there and let people sit there and go, okay, show me. Mm-hmm. Show me why I should love you. Mm-hmm. And really, I've been working on this all my life. And in three minutes, you want me to prove it to you? Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. But the thing with that is I think that I always went, and I, I never had a bad audition. And I didn't do many of them, huh? So that I can't, I'm not really a good person to ask because like I, I was like a... You know, uh, uh, I did this word of mouth. I went here. I got this gig. I got yeah. that gig. I did that. You know, yeah. back in the day, we were yeah. we were all in a in in a really great community of people who would help each other. And you know, but there were some moments when I had auditions, and and I I don't think I I had all good auditions. I got none of those jobs. Mm. You know, the audition jobs weren't supposed to be mine. Wow. Yeah, like I auditioned for Spyro Gyro. I don't know if you know who they are, but there's there's like a really famous, yeah, I know, like the original smooth jazz yeah. group mm-hmm. from the '70s. And I remember I got called to do this audition, and I, my heart was in my mouth. I was like, oh my, I don't know. and I went up there, and, and when I got to the audition, heroes of mine were walking out. Wow! Like Bill Connors, Ray Gomez, all these guys mm-hmm. that I had grew up listening to were walking out of the, and I'm going, oh, I'm going to get my car. <laughs> they're walking out but then I pushed myself I went in you know and I sat down and then we started to play and and then I you know I, I got into it I said you know I'm just gonna throw my heart out there and just do it and I ended up staying for like two hours mm. and then they walked me around the studio and they were like you want to work here and I was like yeah it's like you guys have like actual contract and it's like a guarantee of money like for a musician that's like unheard of you know it's like there's a number that you can actually like go buy a car and say this is what i'm gonna make like you don't because they said that if they don't tour that much they'll write you a check for the difference Mm. and nobody's gonna write you a check so you knew they were gonna tour that much because they weren't about to write nobody any checks so (laughs) no we're gonna work this much and just in case we don't don't worry we'll we'll make you know if we owe you five dollars we'll pay you five dollars so you know but i stayed there and i did it and they said we just got one more guy to listen to you know and the other guy came in and he was more the sweater wearing, smooth jazzy, pipe smoking kind of guy. Well, I didn't have that vibe. Mm. You know, I make a lot of faces when I play, as you know. <laughs> yes. So I'm not right for everything, you know, but that's something that I can't change, you know. I wish I could. Because in me, when I'm playing, I'm like stoic. Your in whole my, body plays it, when you play. Yeah, but when that's I'm crazy. playing, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm just sitting there. You feel like nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. But the people who can see yeah, you, your face is like. your face is responding to every single string that you pluck. It's like incredible. Every single thing. It, it's it's like a kind of a. It's not like method acting, but it's like it's like the body language helps helps get those notes out. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know? So with that with that audition, you said they brought someone else. They said they wanted they to see some, one more person. I, so I went home and I was like, man, I think I think I got this job. And I told my dad, and my dad was going through the roof and all the stuff. And I was a kid, and um and um and then they two days they made me wait, and then they called me and they said, you know, I wish I had better news for you. And man, I was devastated. Man, yeah. <laughs> I was devastated. I felt like I let everybody down because I opened my mouth, mm. you know, and I told everybody. Yeah, because it was the first time, and everybody was pulling for me because I was like in in my community of my family and friends. You know, at some point I had become this this guy. Yeah, that was gonna do it. We didn't know how, but then all of a sudden I started getting like these kind of things pop my way, and you know. And that's the thing, because I feel like you're a testament to what's for you is for you. Because when you look at the work that you've done and the people that you've worked with, mm. it's pretty, it, I mean, it's it spans genres and you've, you've worked with a lot of megastars, you know, mm. in, of, of the music industry. And I don't know necessarily if you would have had that opportunity if this had come through. You know what I mean? You're right. I wouldn't have. And I say that to myself all the time because the money would I know the guys and they're still there the, the guys, guys in that band in that are still band, there they're still with in the in fact band. the guy who left is a friend of mine he came back like two years later so they would have fired me anyway because this that was he was the original guitar player mm-hmm. and he was the original guy Julio Fernandez and he's a sweetheart of a guy but he left hard when he left he's like I'm out I'm gonna be a session player and that's it I don't need this anymore and then he got out to the cold cruel world that we all know Already he went running back to his his steady gig. Right. He said, I need my check. You know, I need my steady check. Meanwhile, so I would have been on there like, maybe I would have shut it down. Maybe they would have said, no, thanks. We got a guy, you know, but but that you're right. That might have been the kiss of death for me because I'm part of me is part of me is still like this regular stable guy that just wants that just wants to live. You know, yeah, I think all of us have that a little right. of that. I mean, especially as you get older. Yeah. But you know, when you're young, you need to be out there doing shit. Exactly. You need to be doing a lot of shit, exploring, and you know. You have to try. You have to take chances. Yeah. And yeah. You're gonna be broke, but yeah. you know you're gonna live. You're gonna live, and you're gonna have. You're gonna gain those experiences that you need to tell these stories that you're able to tell right now right you know i got nieces and nephews and, and musicians that i mentor young musicians that i mentor now like mentor by just you know by because i because they look at my bio and they, they go you know wow yeah how do i do that exactly and i'm like i, I can't tell you <laughs> i can't tell you because it's just about i my whole advice to them is just play and play and play and play more and keep playing play every way you can Mm-hmm. Because if that's what you want to do, just play. Yeah, Don't worry exactly. about the money. Play. Yeah, yeah. You know what I really admire about musicians, and I and I swear every time I feel like I'm sitting down and interviewing a, uh, an artist who who's who's worked in the music industry, I'm kicking myself for not taking it more seriously because I studied music when I was when I was younger. I mean, come mm. on, it was junior high school. I was in a jazz band, and so I was learning piano. Mm. And so I look at this and I'm like, it, what it's allowed you to do. I mean, what first of all, it's taking you way past, way far farther than the Bronx. It's taking yeah. you so far out of the Bronx, it's not even funny. You've been all over the world. You've even had an opportunity to play. Um, this is something else I found out. You played 
for the first dance of the first African-American president and his wife. I did. I played the inauguration. Play, that ball. is unreal. Biggest moment, one of the biggest moments in my life. You you went from being in the Bronx. Yeah. Playing, playing these small gigs, playing yeah. <laughs> wet, weddings. Yeah. To finding yourself the only. That the, moment. The only guitarist, right? For that. I had all the guitars in the world. I was a guitar player that was there. Yeah. I had all the guitar players in the world that could have done it. I was the guy that got asked, you know. Luck of the draw, a lot to do with it. You know, being in the right place at the right time, a lot of it. And I'm not more talented than anybody. But but by me doing what I said earlier, by playing every place I could, somehow I was there and I was just the guy, I was available, whatever, you know, to do the DNC first. Right. And because we did the DNC, we, we had CIA clearance to do the neighborhood ball, you know. But we were the band back then and I got and I was, I was in that place and that was one of the moments where I sat back and pinched myself and said man I looked at my guitar and said you did this you got me all these places you got me here and at the time what was really special was I mean the whole thing was special but what was really special was that my wife was pregnant with our child and my wife is African American so we had a interracial child on our way and our president was interracial and my child was going to be born into a world that she couldn't say there was no why daddy why isn't there a black president wow she was born into a world where she only knows a black president right he's still president she's six wow i still can't believe that you had that amazing opportunity to witness history and be a part of it you participated in that historic moment so that's that's just amazing I can't take it away. Like that's the kind of things that, no matter what happens, it's always gonna. You know, that's all. Like, like I don't. I always talk about it. Like, you know, when the end of whenever, whenever the universe decides that I'm done with this, for whatever reason, you know, those are things that you can't take. You know, you can't take away from. You know, what you've done and what you've, you know, your experiences in life. That's like that's forever. Yeah. You know. But yeah, it's 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 been it's a blessing to to play with and get something from all these people, you know. I mean, recording with Luther and actually one of my biggest mo- one of my favorite moments. I still tell people this was I did a record with Luther. I did a song on um, I think two albums before he passed on an uh, album called I Know. This is Luther, and I did an intro. He was singing and my guitar. I did some fills. And after I, one of, and so I, so I did my thing and I left, you know. And he did his vocal, but when I heard the record, I had done a lick, and he sang my lick behind me. So I was like, "Are you kidding?" And everyone, like, what are you talking about? I said, "I played that lick, and then Luther did it right behind me. This Luther sang my riff. <laughs> this is the, this is the guy who does the riffs that made so many babies. He did my riff. You understand? <laughs> Do you understand what that means? Because you just went, boom, 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 boom. yeah, that's what he sang. Wow. It was like three notes. I said, that's all I needed. Wow. It's a song. I mean, how long is he going to stay there? You know, so that was a big, that was like, still, I listen to that and I go, I'll play people. I say, listen, to this, listen, that's what I like. And then he's saying. Wow, that was pretty yeah. incredible. That's a hard thing to do, huh? To, to be in the moment in your life with anything, to yeah. sit there and go. I'm gonna appreciate this that's happening right now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it's man. It's very hard to discipline yourself to do that because if something's going on, you don't realize it. You know, it was like the thing with 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 with, uh, with President Obama. You know, and um, and that was like 
I had to sit back and go, you know, this is happening. This is yeah. happening, and I'm here yeah. doing it. He's, I'm playing at last with Beyonce singing, and our first, and our president is taking his first dance with his wife. I mean, I'm like, if I die right now, I, I, you can't take yeah. that away. You know, yeah. it's like, but that was one of the moments when I grew up and said, I'm gonna appreciate this. You know, mm-hmm. make sure I don't play any bad notes, but I'm gonna appreciate this. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't ask you to play something before okay. we transition into the next segment. Okay. They need to know you as oh. as I've come to know you. Wow. Yeah. You want a specific song? No. Okay. Just whatever you want to do. Thank you. That was pretty incredible. Oh, <laughs> this has been a really great, a great conversation. I hope. I hope it. I hope you find something in there, Mike. I knew this was gonna be great. I <laughs> hope we could I probably was. go for another yeah, two hours. Yeah, we I hope I, I was smacking. <laughs> We're gonna transition into my favorite segment of the show. It's called "Tell Me Yours and I'll Tell You Mine." The first three questions we will both answer. Gotcha. You tell me your answer, and I'll tell you my answer. Okay. And then the last question, you'll answer that one all by yourself. Perfect. Okay? Yep. So the first one is a three-part question. <laughs> okay. Mets or Yankees, Jets or Giants, Knicks or Nets? Oh, yes. Oh, that's easy. Uh, that's easy. That's real easy. <laughs> Mets, Giants, Knicks. Oh, my God. Same answer. That's my answer. High five. That's what I'm talking Next about. Time. I'm a Mets family. But I can flip. I can't flip, but I, I have love for Jets and Nets. But I have no love for the Yankees. <laughs> Come at me. Get clear. Come at me. Be clear about that. <laughs> Y'all hated me first. <laughs> All you guys out there. You hope you're listening. Remember Seaton Avenue, Seaton Avenue, the Bronx. <laughs> Remember me. Oh Remember what you did to me. You damaged me for life. <laughs> oh my god, what'd they do to you? Oh please. <laughs> please. They, they were just, you know, it was brutal. Yeah. I became a Mets fan because they were great when I started being a baseball fan. So, and but I stayed. A, I'm a fan. I'm not a Fairweather fan. Yeah. I'm like all these New York people who would. They go with the winning who are, team. Who are who are uh, 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 what's the name? Uh, Bulls fans. <laughs> 
Are you a Bull fan? Because <laughs> Michael Jordan. That's, 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 you're supposed to love here. Right, right. You live here. You're supposed to love this team. Exactly. Pick one. We got six. <laughs> if you don't like this one, you can pick that one. But pick one from here. Right. I got fans of the Braves. I got I got a friend who's a Braves fan. And if you listen to this, Brian Dunn. <laughs> <laughs> Name dropping. <laughs> great, one of the greatest drummers. Yeah, he's a great, great drummer. drummer. And a yeah. great friend. <laughs> But he's a Braves fan. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try not to hold that so against him. Okay, so the next question. If there was a movie made about your life, mm. who would you want to play you? <laughs> and what would be the title? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Do, do Mike for a loop on that one. <laughs> Don't say the Godfather part. Five. I can't know because my friend, I have a, I have a friend who's like my godfather in, the, in the music business, who's an actor. Oh yeah, right, that's right. Vincent Pasteur, who played Big Pussy on the, on the, on the Sopranos, is like my adopted godfather. He started me out in the music business, so I'd like to have him play, but he's way too old. Sorry, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, what would it be called? Can I answer that part first? Yeah, go for it. Um. Hmm. Yeah. Trying my best. <laughs> oh, this reminds me, Aki. You threw him for a loop on this one. Trying my best. That's what be the title. Okay. Trying my best. Um, um. You can you can date him. You can you can say like the 1980 oh. whatever if you want to. Oh yeah, That's the fine. De Niro like 1980, like Raising Bull De Niro. Okay. Yeah. Like 80. Yeah. That, 80s. that might that might be about right. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that's a that's a tough one. My my movie would be called uh, Work in Progress because Lord knows that's me for sure. I'm insane. Yeah, exactly. And my actress would be what's what's her name? Um, the one who played. Oh God, why am I forgetting her name? The one who played um, in all like the black exploitation films. Pam Greer. Yeah. Pam Greer. <laughs> okay. There but like go. 19, I'm going to give her the year that I was born. 1979 yeah. Pam Greer. 1970 Pam Greer. Yeah, that would be, that'd be cool. She's the one on Best Pam Greer we all know and love. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> For sure. Okay, so next question. Um, You know the phrase, if I knew then what I know now. So, in your case, what would that pertinent piece of information be? Say that again. If I knew, oh, if I knew then what I know now, oh, this is gonna, this is gonna mess you up. Tell me. If I knew then what I know now, I might have chose this as a hobby instead of a, a calling. Really? Yeah, I think I would have because. Of what I said earlier about the way the business is, you know, and I think I would have just been happier creating and maybe stumbled into some greater things that way rather than having to support myself with it at the same time. Okay, for me, let me see. If I knew then what I know now, I think I would, I would have like gone all in with my with my acting at, because what we talked about earlier right. about um 
needing people to, to like the work that I'm doing. Every time I walked into an audition, I was hoping that they would like me or love me or love the work that I was doing. And I never really, I was so in my head mm-hmm. that I never really stepped into that room and just went full fledged and just did it because I loved it. Forget whether or not somebody else likes it, just do it because I love it. Right. So if I knew then what I know now, I think I would have walked into every audition doing it for me and not for someone else. Okay. And so now here we we are. We're at the last question. This one is all you. Okay. Okay. What's the best piece of advice you've received towards toward navigating through your career? The best piece of advice that I got navigating uh Well, that's difficult. It was probably from my father, I'd have to say, you know. I guess it was my dad. You know, I guess and it's a simple thing, I guess, for everything else. You know, just, just you know, do do the best that you can, and that's, and that's all you can do. And just make sure that you don't lie to yourself. Yeah. Like, do the best you can. Don't tell everybody you did the best you can know for in your heart that I did the best I could because mm. you got to go to sleep and close your eyes that night mm-hmm. it's not nobody else cares they'll believe you is that the best you could, that's the best you and if they go home and say ah, that's the best you could do it really was. but if you know you laid it out and you put your heart out there you know it's kind of with the faces and all that stuff that I make and it's like <laughs> yeah. if you, if you, you, if you just leave it out there you can sleep at night and go I did it whatever I, you don't love me you don't love me that's it yes. mm-hmm. I can't you know can't make you love me there was a song yeah, you know, so it's like if they if, if if you put it out there, and you really put it out there, then that's all. Then that's what my dad told me. So you know, just do your best, and that's it. Or don't do it. So yeah, that's it. Well, I just want to thank you so much for dropping in with us here at the Outlet Radio Show and for sharing your experience and your journey and your process with us because oh. I think that that's so valuable for a lot of people who. Um, who are in the midst of their own process for mm-hmm. them to know that, you know, even someone as great and talented oh. as yourself, you've come up against certain things, but you've still found a way to, oh. you know, reach certain heights in your own career. So, well, I'm humbly grateful for the opportunity to be on uh, a show like this and get to share, you know, the little knowledge I have of <laughs> life, but I hope I can help somebody. So thanks well. for having me. You're welcome. And please, guys, if you're listening and you want to continue to follow the Outlet Radio Show, tune in. Follow us on Twitter. You can plug in at the Outlet Radio on Twitter, um, on Instagram at the Outlet Radio Show, and trying to remember everything. Facebook, the Outlet Radio Show. So yeah, that's that's all of our handles. Be sure to follow us and feel free to comment. Go to our Tumblr page www.theoutletradioshow.tumblr.com Tune in, check out the show and comment on the show. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, stay with us. We'll be back with our closing word. (laughs) Hey, what's up? This is Michael Ciro and you're plugged into the Outlet Radio Show with Azania Shangay. So my biggest takeaway from today's show was this. No may be the best thing to ever happen to you. 
You see, at the time, the biggest opportunity Mike could dream up for himself was Spiral Gyra. And though that could have been an honored notch in his belt, the opportunities that that no led to were insurmountable. Now, I don't know about y'all, but Mike just single-handedly changed my relationship with the word no. No longer will it carry the stain of an ending. Instead, no now represents the promise of a new beginning. So, to all the dream chasers out there, dare greatly. Dare to answer the call. Dare to follow your hearts and get ready. Because I assure you, on the other side of your fear, your doubt, and your insecurity is a wealth of experiences far greater than anything you can ever imagine. Until next time, bye.